play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 265. 265. Yes, a lot of good stuff. We have an interview later in the episode. We've mentioned a few times uh, the book Grammar Free in the UK. Well, we have one of the D's in D&D Philpot joining us for an interview to talk about uh, the audio version that is now available on Grammar Free in the UK. Plus, we'll play a couple of those audios for you, and we'll talk more about that as we get closer to that section of the show. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it is. Yep. From what I've uh, yeah, from what I've listened to slash uh, read in the uh, Grammar Free in the UK, it's just astronomically hilarious. Right. <laughs> Just Such the, a great book. Oh, yeah. Just the way how he writes the letters and just his choosing of words and just <laughs> how he is shit-talking so hard in this most cheeky way. I, I love it. Comedy like that is very sparse these days. I agree. It was hilarious. Uh, definitely must-own book, but as you will hear in the interview, the hard copy of the book is sold out uh, a couple times, and... <laughs> As they print more, buy them whenever you see them available because you never know when you will have that uh, luxury. But I I do recommend the audio versions, and we will talk more about that why uh, here shortly. I'll have to note that for myself. Yes. (laughs) Because I see it available. Just pay now. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into the new music that has come out. We'll start on the 14th. 13th was a very busy Friday. We talked about all of those. So let's start on the... Let's start on the 14th. It was the last busy day. The list will be shorter. Uh, Espertacos, they released CGT, which is a single. It's kind of a cover of Menace's GLC. Uh, they just updated the lyrics. So it's basically a cover, but with updated lyrics. So go check that out. Swab released Big City on the 14th. The Dick Dastardlies released uh, two covers. Fucked Up Ronnie and Jet Boy. Blessure, they released a Kaita. And Sabate, which is an EP, and that came out on Tough Ain't Enough Records on the 16th. Four Year Strong and Lurk released uh, Dead Formats Volume 1. That's, I think, two covers from Four Year Strong and one from Lurk, and that came out on Pure Noise Records. Mutually Assured Destruction, they released Ascension on Triple B Records. I think they have a track on there that features old Randy Blythe of Lamb of God on it. Hmm. Hmm. Any of, of you, course it does. <laughs> right? Any of you Lamb of God fans, you might want to go check that one out. I think I will have to. <laughs> right? Uh, next, that was the 18th. On the 19th, Box Elder and one of these shows, I'm sure we'll get around to playing Box Elder, but they released Minimums. Uh, we talked about Chris's new band. Uh, EP is what Minimums is, so go check it out. Booze and Glory released Raising the Roof EP, and Bishop's Green released Black Skies, both on Pirates Press, both on the 20th. Both I've listened to so much. And both are awesome. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially that Booze and Glory one. That's been on a bit of a repeat for me. Me as well. Me as well. I was just thinking, and I think I talked about in the interview that uh, I I did with, uh, that you're going to hear on this episode. Uh, Booze and Glory, you know, some people will 
the bands change band members. The sound's a little bit different if you go back to the first uh, album. And sometimes bands do that. And sometimes people are like, oh, I like the first stuff better. You know, oh, I don't, yeah. I'm not into the new stuff, whatever. I liked it all. I like all of it. And I, as I was listening to this, I thought, I like this so much. And I still like all the other stuff. And I'm not liking one specifically better than the other. Their first album in 09 compared to their EP that's out in 2022. But I like it and I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I have to like one over the other. Though only one original member is currently playing in Booze and Glory. But you go watch the band play. They're going to play all the cool classic tracks. And the new yeah. stuff they've been putting out is awesome. Yeah. I mean, look at it this way. Some bands that a lot of people love. They don't have their OG members. Right. A couple off the top of my head. Napalm Death. They don't have any of their original members. Neither does Guar. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or Sepultura. Yeah. They're, they don't have their OG members. Yeah. Pretty crazy how things are... Yeah, pretty crazy how things are working. Even ACDC. They only have one original member left. And that, of course, is Angus. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Yep, but it's all right, people. It is all right to like what you like. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, on the 20th Funeral Dress, they released Let's Go Down the Pub single. The Decline released Absent Mindlessness, uh, which is a single on P Records on the 20th. Jeffrey Thunders and the Scabs released Singing with the Ghost, which is a collection of songs. It is a collection of previously released material by the Scabs, but it's all in one package for you, so... Uh, maybe that's a way, uh, you know, a, a version of greatest hits without calling it a greatest hits. Put all these cool songs in one place. Go check it out. On Mevzu Records, which is, I believe, out of Istanbul in Turkey, the band B12 released Val, Valahi Sevdadan. Uh, you'll have to go check that one out. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> uh, split. Sevdadan. Right? A split between Carradine Choke and Antistasi uh, was released. It was called A Fucking Split. What a great name. <laughs> Is that so? Right? <laughs> uh, that was on the 20th. Malavista released Ruthless and Toothless, which is an LP. Powerhouse released their newest and last single, Renegades, before the album Renegades uh, is released next month. So go check out the latest Power. Uh, powerhouse single we just had chris on the show just a few weeks back that'll be the last single like i said album comes out in a little less than a month claimed choice they're out of france they released we won't give in on ubpr the path and gone wrong released a split together on the 21st analog decryption released i fucked up that's a i think that was like eight or nine tracks so that's full length rap bones released uh, it's, what is it? Teenage Confusion and Adult Delusion on Mom's Basement Records on May 23rd. So Mom's Basement Records released a couple Rat Bones releases on that date. A couple I saw were older, so they released them. I couldn't find this one anywhere else, so I'm assuming that one is a new one. And then they're also just uh, selling you or giving you the opportunity to listen to on Mom's Basement Records Bandcamp page other Rat Bones releases. So right. may or may not be new. I couldn't tell. Knife Man, they released a new single called Corpse Ball on the 24th. Screed released What Have We All Became on Melodic Punk Style. Skullcrack is going to be releasing on the 27th, Addicted to the Underground. Tear Them Down will be releasing Dystopian Beats on the 27th. Smoker Fire is releasing Beauty Fades on the 27th. Recidive is releasing Tripes Diacer, I think. 
Uh, that's on UVPR, and that was going to be an EV EP. Lost Legion will be releasing Bridging Electricity EP on LSM Vinyl on the 1st. And the Venomous Pinks are going to be releasing Vita Moors on the 3rd. They've released a few singles over the past couple months, all leading up to that release. Eric, what do you have to add to that list? Well, I do have a I do have at least one song that's coming out. The Yes, the song Spit and Crawl, the latest single from the band Funeral Chic. They are scheduled to be releasing a new album called Roman Candle, but not until the end of July. So, there's that to look forward to. Funeral awesome. Chic, I've, I've played them on this show a couple years ago from their album uh, Superstition. Really great guys, great music, just kind of that uh, grainy, grindy uh, sort of... Uh, I don't want, I kind of want to say it's closer, closely related to crust punk. Okay. Yes. Nice. And it's good shit. Well, speaking of good shit and new shit, uh, you have an upcoming release. Uh, this being a single released off of an upcoming release for a new track this week. What do you got? I got the latest from the greatest <laughs> <laughs> and the wastiest, the one of the municipal variety. Awesome. <laughs> Uh yes, if you're in the uh, if you're in the thrash scene like I am, the crossover titans of the new millennium, that being Municipal Waste, are releasing yet another album come July first. That album being Electrified Brain, and they've released a couple of uh, singles. Uh, the first of which was released about a month ago, called Grave Dive, and. What more can I say? It's a Municipal Waste track. They are the party thrash kings. It's like there's, they're seconded by none. These people know how to party. They, I mean, they wrote the song "Born to Party," <laughs> and they know how to write just a, a severely infectious riffs. Awesome. <laughs> and they know how to have fun. They know how to have a good time. They don't take themselves too seriously, and people are loving them. And they are yucking it up. So. So yeah, I don't really have much else to say. This song sounds like a municipal waste song. It's fun, it's heavy, it's fast, it's it's a waste, not a waste of time. It's a good waste of time. <laughs> so here's Grave Dive. <laughs> Yeah! 
Okay, I may have misled you when I said it was fast. I was confusing that with the uh, with the other single that they released, that being <laughs> High Speed Steel. I mean, it's right there in the title. That right. one is more of a thrashy one. This was more of a groove one that was just sort of like a, you know, a crawl. But it was still good, nonetheless, wasn't it? <laughs> it was indeed. It was. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of those classic uh, chuggy uh, thrash parts that just make you want to move around in the circle, flail your arms a little bit, throw some elbows. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You long hairs out there <laughs> with the patched up jackets and the Nike high risers and the skins, the skinny jeans, so thin that you might as well be wearing a second skin. <laughs> Yeah, you know who you are, and we love you, and we love you, Municipal Waste. Keep doing what you're doing. We, I can't wait, personally, for the 1st of July. I want to hear how the rest of this electrified brain is going to sound. Awesome. Well, that's an awesome release. That's an upcoming release. I've got some tracks. Uh, we're going to bounce back to January 7th for the band No Consent. So later on, I've already told you we're doing an interview uh, but we're not playing any music with that. We're going to be playing some audio from the audio book. Mm-hmm. So at this point, because I had a hard time picking a track from uh, No Consent, they, they released Bastard Nation on January 7th. I had a hard time picking a track. There was actually several tracks, and I whittled it down to two, and I thought, all right, so I'm not specifically doing a great cover-to-cover album here, but it is new tracks. I'm going to throw it in here. We're going to play two, and I'll tell you what. We'll play them back-to-back even. So first is Live Fast. I liked it because of, uh, you know, obviously the title, Live Fast, the speed. I liked it. And then we're going to play Division of Wealth right after. If you're unfamiliar with the band, no consent, they're out playing shows. I think they're coming here to Salt Lake, if, uh, I think. I'll look at that. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that when we get to the live show part. I'm, I'm really getting ahead of myself, I think. <laughs> they're from Big Bear Lake in California. I know they have been playing some shows. They've been around together as a band since 2019, so three years as a band. And the whole idea for the band No Consent is no consent to injustice. So that's what it means. Uh, No consent. Off of Bastard Nation, we're going to go with Live Fast and then Division of Wealth. Say what you mean Why don't you bullshit man 
Fast and free, man. <laughs> right? Uh, great track. It's really fast. We're going to get into the next one. Just want to quickly clarify. Yes, they are playing shows. I was confusing uh, a local show with them. It wasn't them. We'll get into the shows that I was thinking about when we get to the live portion. Let's get into that second track, Division of Wealth. Nobody really cares what you are doing, or at least not as much as you are. Right. Or you do. Right. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, things like that, they still exist. They are, like I said, they're old as time, and they're going to continue to exist in our conscious. Yes, and it's great that people like No Consent will come out and put things like this there for you to consciously think about. Because like you just yeah. said... Some people just don't give a fuck, and they're not thinking about it, not you know, out of sight, out of mind, and uh, you know, maybe some for some people, the head in the sand is the way to do it. But uh, mm-hmm. it's good that people like this put that out there, and you rem- you remember that that's the way it is. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> it's a reality check, folks. <laughs> right. Well, no consent. I hope they come to Salt Lake. We'll talk more about the shows when we get to that portion. Let's do one more new track before we get to. The older slash lesser known tracks. This band 
Cold Meridian. They just released a new single about nine days ago, so May 15th. The new album uh, that they're going to be putting out comes out in June. The band features ex-members of Shatterhand. Uh, if you're familiar with that huh. band, I'm not. I'm not, but that's a really cool name. Right? I like it. Shatterhand. Uh, but this music, I like. It, it, it's a cool... I was playing music, you know, that kind of dark wave synth pop. I don't know. That synth pop's not the right word. But kind of like that dark wave music. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. Just a couple episodes ago. So here we go. We got uh, something else also along those lines. It's new stuff. The single's Delirium. I assume it's going to be on the new album that comes out in June, but I can't verify that for sure. But based on a May 15th release, I would assume it is. So let's do some Cold Meridian with Delirium.
Well, that is Delirium from Cold Meridian. Like I said, it's yeah. got that dark wave synth sound to it. Yeah, like definitely it. a lot of, uh, I hear a lot of Cure and a lot of uh, the Damned's later catalog when, right? they went, when they were going down the goth train. Right? I, I, even the, the guitars there, right after, I think it was right after you hear that synth sound, uh, even strike me as like some hair metal track, you know, like mm-hmm. the beginning of like a Queensryche song or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all those, uh, yeah, those sour chords, those uh, that are just like that just have that horrific atmosphere and all the yeah. reverb to it as well. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool how it's matching that uh, that gothic synth. Right. I like it. Go check out Cold Meridian. Uh, you'll be on the lookout for that new album as soon as I see when the release date is and such. Uh, I will definitely be putting it out there. And go check them out. Eric, you got something we'll say it's older because uh, definitely not lesser known on this show. We play we play Terror. We play them. Yeah, we play Terror <laughs> a lot. And I have played them recently. But honestly, this, one, this specific song has been uh, sticking with me a lot. Uh, it's the song Keep Your Mouth Shut from their debut album, One With The Underdogs. One With The Underdogs, that is one of the more seminal hardcore albums. It set the It's set as the paradigm for hardcore that was to follow in the next decade. All throughout the 2000s and the, and the 2010s, respectively, a lot of bands were just basically becoming carbon copies of Terror. They were... Like, Terror walked so that the rest of those guys could run. Nice. <laughs> but then again, Terror could run because Hatebreed walked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we know how far back it goes. But, no, Terror, they really came out and just really set a course for the uh, for underground hardcore. Whereas Terror, they were uh, Hatebreed was getting a lot more mainstream attention. I mean, they were the only hardcore band to win a Grammy, at least in that time. Right. Yeah. Pretty crazy how the uh, zeitgeist was flowing back then. <laughs> so yeah, Terror, they were incredibly well-known, but they stuck to their roots a, a lot more. Not to say that uh, hate-breeding didn't stick to their roots, because, you know, if you follow Jamie Josta, he's still giving it back to the entire scene. He's right. he's still posting a lot of uh, stuff. He's got his own podcast going, and he's interviewing not just people from hardcore, but from everywhere, man. That's awesome. <laughs> All over the musical spectrum, but... Yeah. The thing is with uh, Terror, they are one of the most aggressive and simple hardcore bands to have come out in the new millennium. And they are still putting out new shit, you would know, because we played them a few episodes ago. That's true. Uh, Quite a few episodes, but still fresh in the mind. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yep. And I recommend you uh, check out that new album as well. What is it? Pain is Power? No, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Anyway, but we're going all the way back to the uh, beginning, and I am going to do a, this album as a great cover-to-cover album uh, one one of these days. And I had I had a sort of toss-up with uh, this this specific song and another one, and yeah, I figured I'm gonna save the great cover-to-cover album for later down the line, and I'm just gonna talk about this one because honestly, in my uh, in my immediate um, surroundings, there's a lot of uh, shit being spread, and I don't take kindly to that. Okay. <laughs> not necessarily, not necessarily uh, bad or life threatening, but just like uh, misunderstandings okay. that are going around. And 
And yeah, if you muddy up the waters, then uh, people just can't see shit clearly. True. So, really, I mean, Tara said it in this song best, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so, and they said it very aggressively. Yeah, that's the way you do it. That's the way they do it. That gets the point across. There is no terror song that, is, <laughs> that isn't aggressive. Okay, uh, so yeah, here is one of their leading songs in their earliest of catalogs that really set the trail for their career. Here is Keep Your Mouth Shut. Keep your mouth shut. More on that later, because this will tie into my little closing monologue. <laughs> but, awesome. But yeah, on a. But yeah, I'm saving that because it's uh, referring to a different point. But but yeah, aside from the uh, the message in this song, there is a pretty funny memory I have with it. There is a there in regards to the time where I first saw Terror. Um, got years ago. I think it was back in 2016. Yeah, when they played the Beehive. Okay. And and they played this song and during that final uh that final breakdown where where Scott is just like going keep your mouth shut Edward. Everyone was piling up to the uh, microphone and I'm yelling in it and then this one kid is looking at me in the face. He's screaming it as well. And then he inadvertently just goes boom. Boom. He starts throwing a fist right in my chin. 
and he wasn't hitting that hard. At least it didn't feel hard. I was actually more confused. I'm just like, why the fuck me? <laughs> Right? It's like when that happens, why me? <laughs> why me? And why why you and I were homies. But that's what comes with the territory, I guess. Hardcore shows uh, they're weird. <laughs> but then again, this is this is the same kid who is have a, who has a repeated tendency of being the starting the one fight at any hardcore show. Jeez. It's like if he's there, it's like, okay, who's he gonna fight this time? Hey, he's one of those jackasses, but be that as it may, that happened, and I'm just like, okay, I guess I have an enemy now? Not really. <laughs> he's, he's just, uh, he's really back and forth. He's hard to pin down as a personality. A lot of people, when they talk about him, the story is always, always pre- uh, preceded by, I love him, but... But, <laughs> and then they go off on some fucking thing that he did some fucking time. It's just, whatever. And it's like, and I'm the same. It's like, I love you, but, dude, <laughs> it's just calm it down a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk shit on here. I mean, he does his thing. I do my thing, and I just try to uh, dodge him when I can when I'm at hardcore shows. Fair enough. Because he's pretty vicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, a side note, you played Terror on episode 260, and you were very close. It's Pain Into Power. Pain Into Power, that's right. It's like I knew that there were those words in there. I just can't remember what the middle one was. Right, and you were very close. You said is, into, it's very pretty much yeah. the same thing anyway. Pain Into Power, well... It, yeah, it is kind of the same thing. Pain is power. That right. sounds like a Buddhist proverb. <laughs> <laughs> Pain is power. Or something Mr. Miyagi would say. <laughs> Pain is power, Daniel-san. <laughs> right? I like it. <laughs> Boundless <laughs> Contempt was the track, in case you were uh, happened to have forgot. Yeah, I, I did doubt. happen to forget. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Boundless Contempt. I mean, that whole album is just, it's just killer. It is fire. One of the better ones that I've heard in a long time. So good on you, Terror. You've been you've been keeping it at a steady pace for the better part of two decades. Yeah, they'll be twenty. This will be twenty years old next, uh, not next year, but the year after. That's awesome. Wow, man, Terror, you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do we even call you new school hardcore anymore, <laughs> as if anyone ever did, <laughs> right? It's going to be old school and then, what, classic hardcore? Or do you reverse that? There'll be new names. Yeah. And, yeah, in the 90s, people were referring to those bands as, like, a, not even as metallic hardcore or metalcore yet. They were just always, like, that's hardcore. Whether it's Earth Crisis or Snapcase or Disembodied or Integrity, it's all hardcore. Although they sound fundamentally different. Right. And... Yeah, Hatebreed was referred to as hardcore. Then when they got big, they referred to as a bit more metalcore. Okay. Yeah. And like the 2000s, it was kind of like, yeah, hardcore is dead. Metalcore is the big thing. But Terror never saw themselves as metalcore. They were never advertised as a metalcore band. They were always just strict, to the point, we are hardcore. Nothing more, nothing less. Nice. 
Yep. So, yeah, not melodic hardcore or anything like that. Not <laughs> post-hardcore. Right. Not hard softcore. Uh, we're just... <laughs> we're hardcore. So, like I said, they set the paradigm. They set the example for what hardcore was to be. And was, and still is. Awesome. Well, the band that I've got, they are from Milan, Italy. The band is Incudine. I think I'm saying that right. I N C U D I N E. Incudine. We well, Eric might be right. I'm gonna go with Eric. Uh, so I spelled it for you. We gave you two pronunciations. The name of the album they put out was called Holy Parasite, and it came out October 19th of 2015. Uh, the band started in 2013, and they do have new music coming that'll be on rebuilding and. Uh, rebuilding Records and Devarish, Devarishi Records, which I'm not sure where that one is. Uh, but look on those record labels and you'll be able to find something new from this band coming soon. So do you have an idea or a different idea? Or should we just play the track and then we'll see if you have a different idea on how it's pronounced? All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Incudine. Incudine. I believe. Let's see here. Incudine. Yep. You were right on. Incudine. And it, transla- it translates to Anvil. Anvil. Okay, well, I like it. Eric was right. Anvil is the translation into English. Off of Holy Parasite, let's check out Conform. show and we're playing bands from all over this planet i i have the thought regularly when we're doing this man what a wonderful planet we live on Mm -hmm. you know when i'm focused (laughs) on how cool the music is and it's all over the place and we get to hear it coming from just every corner of this planet and i leave those tunnel vision blockers on just to focus on that 
Those are my thoughts. <laughs> when I decide to start thinking about just about anything else that goes on, you think, ah, fuck, well, humans, what do you do? <laughs> Pretty much. It's just like, da, 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 focus, focus, focus. And then I get back onto this, and like, man, isn't that awesome? They're coming at us from Milan in Italy, and that's just super mm-hmm. cool. Because next up, we're going to, uh, I'm not going to say who it is. That'll be for you after we get through the talk about live shows. But Detroit, we're going to be heading from Milan to Detroit. Yeah, and Detroit is one of the, uh, well, we'll say indecisive cities. And I mean indecisive as if it doesn't know if it wants to be a good place or a bad place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Detroit's been kind of through uh, rigmarole the past uh, couple of, you know, decades. Right. So, but yeah, regardless, there has always been great music coming out of Detroit, and Detroit is still pumping out more. But we'll get to that. In due time, and probably the next half hour when we're done talking about live shows. Yeah, we got to get to the live shows because we still have an interview to get to, so let's get into it. Yeah, I know you've seen at least one in the last week. Oh yeah, and I was uh, thinking I was only going to see one, but yeah, I ended up seeing two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, give us the rundown. What did you see? Who'd you see? How'd it go? Okay, so the first one, the one that I've been planning on going to since... Since 2020, since it got rescheduled because of the goddamn stupid little virus thing, little thing that needs to get slapped in the face. Right? Anyway, <laughs> yep, it was the Bay Area Strikes Back. And those were the, not just one, not just two, but three of the hardest hitting thrash bands from the 80s in the Bay Area, as it would suggest. If you... If you were alive in the 80s, I wasn't, but I know people who were, and I know people who have lived uh, in the Bay Area, uh, living in the wake of that thrash boom in that time. And thrash is very vibrant there still. And it all started with these three bands, Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel. They were the ones really pumping out the, yeah, just pumping out the speed at full yeah, just full caliber, man. They were a full metal jacket. <laughs> and it did, that movie did come out around this time, at around the time of these bands' formation. <laughs> so, yeah, you can argue they were a little late to the party in the thrash scene. Like, uh, you know, by this point, Slayer and Megadeth and Metallica have already made names for themselves and just really kind of set the road. Exodus, they've been around for a while. People kind of forget that they were a thing. Uh, they were just kind of living in the shadow. Of those, of those aforementioned bands. Right. Yeah, but they still made a name for themselves, arguably not as big. I mean, you don't see Exodus playing arena shows like Metallica. Right. <laughs> then again, you don't really see Slayer playing a lot of arena shows. I mean, the last time I saw them, it was a, yeah, it was an amphitheater. But before that, it was at, a, it was at the Complex. And that's just a regular club. So, so yeah, but to compare them to Metallica, that's a very high financial bar (laughs) anyway the show itself fucking great all three bands they were great they were they were firing on all cylinders and that was my first time seeing death angel and they were pretty decent they were really decent uh but i do have to say one thing uh them along with the two other bands none of them played my favorite song of theirs like death angel did not play the song that i played on here last week the final death damn it yep did not play that one, but I should uh, 
I should prelude this, that when me and my friend, we went to the show, and we are driving past the venue, and there was a line going a whole city block across the building and just around the corner. We're like, damn. I guess we came here too early. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we parked the car, and we uh, went and stood in the back of the line, and before long, there was a whole, like, five other group, five other groups of people. That's awesome. I'm like, all right, this is the place to be. And I can't remember the last time I had to wait in line to get into a show. <laughs> Maybe because I kept showing up late to shows, but... And, yeah, most underground shows, you just kind of show up whenever. There's not really a line at the door, but... But yeah, this was the first time. I don't know why, but it was pretty cool. I mean, we were still in line waiting to get in, and we could hear from the outside that Death Angel had already started their set. Wow. So they very well could have played the final death within that time it took for me and my friend to get from the outside of the venue to the stage. Okay. So, so yeah, but... From what I saw of Death Angel's set, they did not play that song. And from Exodus's set, they didn't play my favorite song, Fabulous Disaster. Damn it. And I knew that was kind of a long shot, but I did get to see it live once. Uh, I think the last time they were here. And that was a good show. And Testament, they didn't play Native Blood. And I was like, ugh. Fortunately, they played Souls of Black. So <laughs> I was okay with that. <laughs> but... So yeah, Death Angel was great. Exodus came in and they just really, they they know how to bring it. They are a pummeling thrash band. It's just cool to see, it's just cool to see these guys who have many a gray hair. They got some, they got some beer guts going. You can see that they have aged, but they are still just up there having a good time. That's awesome. And, and yeah, they did play some of the, uh, the staples. They played, uh, A Lesson in Violence. They played Blood. Uh, bonded by blood. I almost okay. said, well, they did play Blood In, Blood Out. And yeah, and a few other deep cuts from their uh, not so well known albums, but the fans loved them. Cool. And of course, they closed their set with Strike of the Beast. And that one always, always, always results in a wall of death. And of course, I'm bounded by contract that every time a wall of death happens, I must get in the middle of it. <laughs> And I was the only one in the middle, and there was a, uh, one of my friends posted a video on their Instagram story, it's not available anymore, but you could just see me dancing around the pit, I'm sticking my arms up with, with all four fingers doing the come at me, bro, <laughs> and I was also just yelling to myself, I'm the only one in here, I had a TBI, what are y'all's excuses? <laughs> and yeah, then the... The riff dropped, everyone just came coming in, and I did my best to keep my uh, balance, but ultimately I ended up on the floor with three people on top of me. It's like, eh, happens. Right. <laughs> right up into the venue again. Right up back into the pit. And speaking of into the pit, Testament, this was my first time not seeing them live, but this is my first time seeing them live playing a full set. Okay. Because the last time I saw them was when Slayer did their final show here. And might I just remind everybody how stacked that fucking lineup was? I mean, you had Napalm Death, then Testament, then Anthrax, then Lamb of God, and then Slayer. Your neck's going to be hurting for a week after that, buddy. <laughs> and it was. 
Um, but yeah, what I'm saying is when I got to that show, I arrived about halfway through Testament set. So I didn't get the full experience with them. But now I'm seeing Testament headlining a show. Of course I'm ready. This was my first time seeing Testament in their full glory. So it was great. Even though they didn't play my favorite song, they still played, like I said, Souls of Black. They played Practice What You Preach. They played Into the Pit. They did a lot of good ones. And I gotta say, Chuck Billy, he is a hell of a front man. He is up there and he has... He has got a smile on his face the entire time. Just that big, cheeky smile on that on that face with those uh, eyes that almost look like they are closed when he smiles. <laughs> That's how big his cheeks are. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just up there. He's having a good time, and he wants everyone else to have a good time. And might I say, it was infectious. Oh, and there were plenty of crowd surfers there. I remember one time when I was at the front, there was a line of people just waiting to get hoisted. I think I hoisted six people up at, wow. at a time. I was like, okay, next? <laughs> Pretty funny. I didn't do any uh, crowd surfing myself, but it, hey, it was still cool to see that going in. And apparently there was a lot of fights at the show. I didn't see any. I saw one almost break out, but yeah, apparently I was not looking in the right spots. <laughs> Guess not. Jeez, why? Come on, people. Why can't you get along? You're at a at a show. Uh, go 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 get along. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get along. Yeah. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not the one getting in. Uh, getting in hassles with people. Right. Yeah. And little end cap on this. Uh, if you are in the know with uh, thrash metal then you would know who is currently drumming for Testament. And that is one special thrash drummer, first name Dave, last name Lombardo, the former drummer of Slayer. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. And I caught one of his sticks. That's cool. Yep. And it's currently sitting on the floor of my car because I am in the middle of moving from one place to another. And I figure I'll just keep it there because I don't want to shove it in a box where I won't be able to find it again. Right. Because <laughs> I do not know how much of this shit is going to get unpacked. But it's there. It's safe. My Dave Lombardo stick added it to the collection. Nice. <laughs> anyway, the other show that I attended, kind of by accident. Okay, not really by accident. I was just not planning on going. And it was... Uh, Last night, well, by the time you're hearing this, two nights ago. Right. And that was that was the co-headlining tour of Dying Fetus and Chelsea Grin. Yep, Chelsea Grin, our hometown deathcore heroes. <laughs> and they have literally no original members left. Oh. Remember what I was saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea Grin is in that category now. They have a... It used to, the sole surviving original member was their lead singer, but they recently uh, uh, swapped him out for somebody else, and I don't really know who that is, and I don't really care, because I never got into Chelsea Grin. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I avoided slash uh, made fun of anyone who listened to <laughs> Deathcore back in my day, but it has <laughs> since kind of grown on me. I not I'm not diving into it or anything, but... I will say, deathcore bands, on the record, not really much to shake a stick at, but live? Oh, God. Uh, that, now I'm seeing why they have such a 
uh, such a monastic fan base. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I didn't see uh, I didn't see an ounce of Chelsea Grin set. I was just hanging outside, talking with my friend, and just uh, yeah, just shooting the shit. And she is also the reason why I went to the show. She called me up the night before the show. She said, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow?" Uh, not really anything. Why? Do you want to go to Dying Fetus with me? I would love to, but I'm kind of strapped for cash. I'll pay for you. Just to pay me back. I really don't want to go by myself. Okay, fine. <laughs> if you're going to pay for it, I guess I'll go. <laughs> That's cool. So, so yeah, I went there. I went there on that, on that, I guess, coin pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, we got there early because the very first band playing, she really wanted to see. And she really wanted me to see them because she thinks that this sort of death metal is right up my alley. And the band was called Undeath. And that was my first time listening to them. And did I like them? Well, I bought an LP and a shirt right after that. So that worked out. I guess it did work out. They are great, by the way. Undeath is a great death metal band. And... One of the main reasons why I wanted to go to this show was the band Frozen Soul, who I've talked about on this show a few times. And I have never seen them. They did come here uh, in November of last year, but I don't know why I didn't show up at that show. Okay. I guess I forgot that it was happening. I guess I was strapped again. I, I don't know. I guess something else was going on. It doesn't really matter. The point is I saw them this time. And let me tell you, this time... Not only are they a great live band, but that singer, he can hold the audience. And if you don't believe me, I have never been to a show where the singer requested everybody in the pit to do push-ups. And to have them follow through. <laughs> this is the first show I've seen where people were doing push-ups in the pit. <laughs> and it's not a hardcore show. It's not one of those uh, bench-pressed core motherfuckers. This is a death metal show. <laughs> And he's getting everybody to do push-ups. All right. That's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And also, I might add, this is a death metal show, and this is a deathcore show at the same time. Nice. And I was actually making fun with my friend, just going, you know, you can tell who is here for the death metal bands and who is here for the <laughs> deathcore bands. It's like, if you see someone wearing a fitted cap and stretched earlobes, eh, deathcore. If you see someone wearing cargo shorts and has uh, long hair on the head and the face, yep, death metal. If you see the battle jacket, death metal. If you see the uh, s the skinny jeans, uh, death core. <laughs> if he's lanky, death core. If he's built, well, if he's built, if he looks like he just came from the gym, death core. <laughs> if he's got a beer gut, death metal. <laughs> so yeah, there was an even mix of all that, but... Oddly enough, there was a lot more of the hardcore dancing, the flailing of the fists and the spinning of the kicks and the punching of the floor, the reaching to the stars. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. And then, but then like a wave of the death metal heads, they would get in there, be doing the push pits and the circle pits, and then it would like ebb and flow that way. Yeah, but there was some fucking Yahoo, this long hair with a beard who was wearing a camo hat, who was doing some ignorant hardcore dancing like he was targeting people oh. not only that but a uh, little pint-sized women half of his size really oh yeah and my friend got in his face about that and his excuse well i'm not from here doesn't fucking matter <laughs> dickhead <laughs> oh god so 
So that's kind of what the audience was like. And I posted on my Instagram story specifically when Dying Fetus was opening. Uh, opening. Playing. When they were playing. Okay. And, uh, and that's the thing. Dying Fetus, they are that middle ground. You can just tell that this is ground zero for, uh, for Deathcore and Slam. You know, Slam just kind of takes the slow parts of death metal. It's just like, you know, it's just exactly that. It's just, you think of what Slam is, you put that to the stuff, you kind of put that in music, it's exactly what it sounds. Just, yeah, that's what it is. But, but yeah, you can just kind of tell Dying Fetus was that band, uh, that death metal band for hardcore kids at the time. Because... They were as technical and as precise as Cannibal Corpse, but they were about as slammy and heavy as Hatebreed at nice. the same time. They're a death metal band with breakdowns. So you can kind of tell where the, uh, uh, where the mix was coming in. Having touring with uh, Chelsea Grin and also um, Body Snatcher, who was, a, as their uh, merch guy said to me, a total fucking beat-down deathcore band. I'm like, okay, I'm in for that. <laughs> And I watched their set, and yep, they did not disappoint. They were exactly what I expected. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's kind of funny. That band didn't get people to do push-ups at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But all in all, pretty damn good show. I, I got to say, Dying Fetus, this was my second time seeing them, and they are just as they are just as proficient and as heavy as ever. And I was standing uh, stage right where their uh, bassist was, uh, yeah, where their bassist was standing. And if you don't know this about Dying Fetus, but they are a three-piece band. I I can't name the names. Like, I, I just don't know what their names are. Okay. I never learned that. The guitarist <laughs> and the bassist, they actually match each other. Like, when he's, when the guitarist's doing a solo, the bassist is mirroring that. Wow. And they... And they're doing shredding, they're doing sweep arpeggios, they're doing crazy-ass scales. He's doing the hammer-ons on the bass fretboard, matching the guitarist. It's pretty crazy. It's like, yeah, Dying Fetus, they are one of the most technically precise death metal bands in the entire genre. That's and awesome. I gotta throw it to them on that. They, they mix up simplicity, you know, the slammy parts, with technicality. So, Dying Fetus, you killed it. Yeah. You are now dead fetus. <laughs> and meanwhile, Cradle of Filth was going on down the street. Awesome. And people were posting on their Facebook, who am I seeing at Cradle of Filth tonight? I'm just like, well, I will be seeing the former tenant of said filthy cradle. I'll be seeing dying fetus. <laughs> so that's what I have in the shows I have attended this, this past week. This week, however, is going to be a, oh boy, it's going to be crazy. I'm right. going to California tomorrow. Or, if you're hearing this, I will be in California. Yes, you will. You're going to go check out some shows. You're going to see some of these bands. So, uh, No Consent, right? I was talking about No Consent. They, they did that show at the Evil Pie on May 14th with Talking Bombs. And then they did April 29th, uh, Return to Rebellion with re the Return of the Havoc at First Street Billiards. They played that show as well, Infirmities, Dead 77, Noise Pollute, uh, you know, several bands that we've played on the show. So that's where I was getting those shows. They've been playing a lot of the shows that I've been mentioning during this portion of the show. And then they are also playing 
with some bands that Eric is going to see. So mm-hmm. uh, on May 28th, the Exploited Cro-Mags, Total Chaos, and The Afraid are playing Ventura Theater in Ventura, California. All ages, 17 bucks. So there's that show. And then The Exploited are playing with The Cro-Mags, Total Chaos, No Consent. The day before that on May 27th. So the first show I mentioned Saturday, the second one is Friday at the Belasco Theater in Los Angeles. That's May 27th. Go check that one out. Eric, I have a few more to mention, but here, insert show you're going to go see tomorrow. Tomorrow I will be seeing The Exploited with Chromags TM <laughs> and Total Chaos with my homies in Project Sellout. Yeah. Yeah, at the House of Blues in San Diego, California. That is where I will be um, tomorrow or if the time that you're listening to this, I will be there tonight or I will have already been there or I will currently be there thrashing my brains out to some fucking punk rock, some New York hardcore, and some, and a little bit of the in-between with Project Sellout. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited for that. <laughs> That's awesome. So there's that show, and then if you haven't paid attention since we've done the interview with Razors in the Night earlier in the month, uh, it's finally here, the dual reunion show with Razors in the Night, Tijuana Sweetheart, and then Sky Tigers is also playing that. It's at the Sonia this Saturday, the 28th, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, And if you're very fortunate, you'll be seeing the show the next day on Sunday. But that is an invite-only show. So, man, I wish I was there. It's finally here. I wish I was going to be there to check it out. So everybody check it out. Share your videos. I want to see them. And uh, get out there and see both those bands, both we've had on the show and you'll also get to see Sky Tigers, who I still need to go check out myself. I've got it on the list, just haven't got around to it. There's two other shows, uh, well, bands, Trashed Again. They just released their second EP of the year. The first one, I think, had six tracks. This one, I think, has seven tracks. I mean, that's basically a full length. But over two EPs, both in 2022, and they're doing a double EP launch show at the Hamilton Station on June 12th. With Buckled and Maids of Horror, that is in Australia, if for some reason you didn't know where Trashed Again is from. But uh, go check that one out, because Trashed Again is awesome. Both those EPs are fantastic. And then finally, Powerhouse, I was talking about them earlier in the show. They released Renegades, the single last week. Renegades, the album is coming out on the 17th. Well, they have some upcoming shows this weekend. So on the 27th at Cafe Colonial... In Sacramento, they'll be playing, and on the 28th at the X Bar in Cupertino, California. And then their next show after that won't be till June 25th at Crybaby in Oakland, which will be the record release show. Plus, they have other shows, and we'll mention all of those as it gets closer. So those are all the shows that I have to mention. Eric, any other shows, or do you have an album to talk about? Oh, I do have some shows. Okay. Okay. The Yes, tonight on the 24th... Um, you probably already know this, but <laughs> yeah, Moral Law, Mandalore, No Other Way, and Snake Eyes will all be playing at the Beehive. It used to be at Resolute, but it's at the Beehive now. Uh, yep, for uh, $10. We got some Vegan Straight Edge from, what was it, Richmond and Denver. Yes. And of course, our very own Snake Eyes and Mandalore, our hometown heroes of Straight Edge. Uh, current heroes, because right. uh, not 
very much other straight edge bands coming up. Now there's a few. There's spent. Yeah, there's still straight edge. There you and go. I guess. Yeah, and I guess. Uh, but God, what the fuck is it? The other band that starts with an S. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to that. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, the 28th, that's going to be a loaded one. There are three shows happening that night at Urban Lounge, a backyard show, which will be inclusive of Wicked Bears, Milk Money, and Derek Christensen. And the funny thing about the band, Derek Christensen, yeah, it's a band, sounds like a solo artist, but I know this because my drummer knows this because she's going to be playing with them that night. And then she's going to hop her ass on over to Aces High to play our set with Anonymous. And we will be playing with In Your Grave and Voice of Treason and Annalita, who I believe are from Vegas. I can't. Cool. Yeah, Annalita. I'll have to double check on that, but they'll be, they'll be there on the 28th. While also on the 28th, there will be a benefit show for Rough Haven Crisis Shelter at Wild Pepper Pizza. They still do shows there. Nice. Yep. And that will include Sunsleeper, Narc, Spent, and Snuff Tape. That is the other band, Snuff Tape. Okay. <laughs> yep. And, <clears throat> and yeah, that's going to be uh, donation-based. And then on that Sunday, the 29th, is the first show of Crucial Fest at Kilby Court. Anonymous was trying to get on that one, but I don't know what happened. We just couldn't fit in or whatever. It's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of applications went in and, uh, yeah, we're not going to be playing this year. Sucks. But you know who will be playing? Acacia Ridge, Despite Despair, Courtney Lane and the Chain, Sunfish, Say Hey, Box Elder, Portraits, and uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. (laughs) I had Say Hey on here twice. Whoops. So yeah, that's who's uh, playing on the 29th, and yeah, like I said, that'll be at Kilby Court, and it's going to be the only all-ages event of Crucial Fest this year. Everything else is going to be 21+, plus. so if you're listening to this and you're not at the legal drinking age uh, within the next uh, six months, then that's your only chance, bud. (laughs) Anyway, on the 30th, Laura Jane Grace will be coming to the Metro Bar with Anthony Green and Tim Casher. Coming up after that, on the first, we have from Texas, Moon Medallion, Hobo Sapien, Tainted Ink, and Thoroughgood Jenkins at Wild Pepper. And on, nah, that's it. The 18th is a little too far out. But we'll worry about that one when we come to it. That's all the shows that we have coming up in the next few, in the next couple of weeks, right into the beginning of June. So... There's that. And unfortunately, the one that was supposed to be on the 4th, which was Wake of Humanity, um, Fuckskin, Narc, Social Stigma, and Anonymous, had since been canceled. Because their drummer, Wake of Humanity's drummer, sustained an injury in the rotator cuff. And you can't exactly play drums without uh, an injury like that. Practice. The one-armed drummer from Def Leppard, I forget his name. Uh, Rick could, Allen. There you go. If you practice, maybe, but on like two weeks' notice, that's probably not a lot of practice. Less than two weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. That's not enough to practice doing what you did with two arms to do with one arm. I don't think he did it that quickly. Yeah. It took, <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. It took a while. Oh, man. Yeah, the story of the events surrounding that album is just so... Oh, boy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but... I yes. don't want to talk about Def Leppard. I don't either. Yeah. yeah for talking, another day. Let's yeah. get into the great cover to cover album. I think that's all the shows for this show. So yeah. 
I will say that the uh, yeah, Wake of Humanity, they are coming back. They will be, uh, yeah, they will be playing here again. They'll be continuing with the tour as it was planned. Just later on, they're aiming towards the fall. Okay. So keep your eyes open for that one. They will be back. Cool. Well, we're going to get into your album then. Yeah, the album. Let's uh, remember what we were talking about. Detroit? <laughs> yes. Detroit. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. They have some amazing bands that have come out of there and continue to do so. And the one I'm going to talk about today is Walls of Jericho. Nice. Now, also earlier I was saying how uh, Terror really kind of set the set the mode for hard uh, how hardcore would be presented in the 2000s. Well, Walls of Jericho picked that up. They started off as very a very simple hardcore band back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But when they got picked up, uh, uh, I can't remember which record label did pick them up. But throughout the 2000s, they uh, started honing in on more metallic sounds as opposed to hardcore sounds. Making their albums a bit more atmospheric, a bit more, uh, I don't want to say technical, but stuff that you wouldn't hear on a terror record, so okay. to speak. And... And yeah, I talked about this band on here on here a couple years ago when my other great cover to cover album of theirs was The American Dream. Trust Kill Records, not to Oh yeah, it was it. Trust Kill. It was Trust Kill. Oh, and they got fucked over by them. <laughs> and Trust Kill. That that label's got a history of uh, fucking over their bands. Yeah. Yeah, much okay. like Victory Records, unfortunately. Victory Records, yeah. I think they started again, like under a new label, somebody else, or new name, uh, in the last maybe two years, year and a half, two years, something like that. Okay, good. Weed out them leeches. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, the American Dream, that was their last album that they released for eight years. That was back in 08. And then, 2016, surprise, Walls of Jericho made a comeback, and they came out with No One Can Save You From Yourself. And I was really excited to be listening to that record. And it took me years to finally sit down and listen to it. <laughs> and the first time I listened to it was last week. And god damn, what the fuck was wrong with me? Why did I sleep on this for so long? It is phenomenal. I still, I hold it, it holds a candle to the American Dream. That's still my favorite uh, Walls album, but... This one, holy shit, it's going back to uh, basics on some points. There are some songs on here that are just straightforward hardcore. There are some that are like being a little more, uh, uh, being a little bit more metal, a little bit more weird with the atmosphere. And yeah, I can say that I've listened to it three times in one day because I was really trying to figure out what my favorite songs were. I mean, I knew what one of them was. But what was the other one? Well, the the initial first song that I had in my that I had in my brain as my favorite one from this album is the title track. It it starts off really just slamming. It gets people riled up, and then it just kicks into a riff fast enough to garner a circle pit, and then the chorus just gets really punchy. And right up until the end. It just has those. It just has those slam and breakdowns, and then it pauses a little bit. Then it's like, surprise, we got one more. <laughs> and oh man, it's uh, it's just, it's just perfect in how catchy hardcore can be. It just felt like a straight hardcore song. I'm like, yep, yeah, there's no doubt about it. This could link up to being a 
to being on the same plane as terror. So, that's what I think. But what do you guys think? Listen to this song and uh, report back to me. This is No One Can Save You From Yourself. Hardcore Sonic equivalent of surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny that that's kind of a dying art in hardcore. So it was nice that uh, Walls of Jericho brought that back. 
And might I point out, this album came out in 2016. It is 2022 now. That's been six years. So in another two years, are they slated to release a another album? <laughs> I mean, if that's what if that's kind of the idea that we're going on. But more importantly, when are you guys gonna tour? Seriously, I need to see you guys at least <laughs> once. Fuck. Um, anyway. <laughs> We just have the albums right now, and um, yeah, these are really great albums that they have. I'm honestly not disappointed by any one of them, but yeah, this one, it's definitely cracking crackin top three easily. Uh, so, I don't have much more to say about this record, other than I listened to it a bunch. There's a lot of good songs on here, and the one that I chose, chose was the most viable. I think it was because of its opening scream. Like right when the like right when the riff hits, it just reminded me of like uh, ah, like some good death metal growls, like from a Swedish death metal. Okay, uh, and we'll be getting to that pretty soon too. We are. Yeah, kind of kind of weird how this is working. Anyway, I got nothing else to say other than the song is gonna rip your face in half. This is relentless. I am relentless. I am relentless. I am relentless. I'm relentless. I am 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 relentless.
So yeah, they're keeping up with that uh, brutality. And also, yeah, just the little things that hint towards metal are those little uh those little uh tidbits in the in that breakdown riff. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> just those little uh yeah, there's no other way to describe it. They're like little slayer harmonies. Okay. As yeah, they just go that sort of a chromatic scale. If you want to get all music theory on it, I speak music theory. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> that is just a one fret up from the previous one. Oh God, I'm gonna stop boring you. Yes, <laughs> you heard the riff. You know what I'm talking about. It. You don't hear that much in hardcore. You hear that more in metal, but in this case, metalcore. But like I said, this is Walls of Jericho. Feels like they're going to a back to basics approach, but not too far back they're still finding that sort of in between in there okay that's what this <clears throat> that's what this album feels to me it feels very it feels meat and potatoes yes but with like a new flavoring added we'll say it that way so walls of jericho i am happy that you keep releasing good music for all of us hardcore kids and metalheads alike I hope that you are still doing what you're doing. It says you're still present. I looked on Wikipedia. You're still there. <laughs> you're still up and around. I hope you're making new music, and I hope that you'll be playing shows in as much abundance as you used to, maybe? Uh, that's I'm wishing too much. But just play shows. I will come see you. Nice. Yeah. You're probably not even going to hear this. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, or if someone else does, pass it along to them. Yep, it's a butterfly effect. There you go. And, uh, it'll reach them at some point. <laughs> All right, we got an interview to get to, but before we do, we're going to talk a bit about the book, uh, listen a little bit. So, again, we've talked about the book on a few episodes. It's grammar-free in the UK, the lockdown letters. It's bonkers correspondence to and from UK punk artists during 2020. We're going to get into a lot of stuff about the book in the interview, so I'm not going to talk too much about it because... Why have me talk about it when we can have uh, the interviews with one of the D's in D&D Phil Pot? How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I like to feel the pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, this is it's awesome book. You should definitely check it out. Uh, the Read it, but the audio version, that's what we're specifically talking about here. Uh, it's going to go to, you know, the majority of the proceeds anyway obviously there's band camp fees and stuff and dave's going to talk about this in the interview but uh goes to charity goes to uh, the charities for the homeless and if you're listening to this you can go get it which it's going to be at grammarfreeintheuk.bandcamp.com and enter the code because i think it's listed at like uh eight pounds 99 which means, you know, it's probably just under 10 bucks US. 
And if you enter the code SLC, you get 10% off. So you save a little bit, but you're also all the proceeds besides what Bandcamp's going to collect. And if you wait until the next Bandcamp Friday, then they don't collect anything. But if you get it sooner <laughs> than that, then all of it's going to go to a charity and you can save 10% on that. So even if you didn't listen to but a couple, but there are 63, I think, different audios to listen to, and like 59 of those are letters, if I'm not mistaken. 66, sorry. So there's a few bonus tracks. It's up to 66, and then there's a handful that are reviews, testimonials, introduction, and so forth. So you're getting over 60 letters, and on the audiobook, it is actually uh, D. Philpot reading the letter that was written to the artist, and then every one of those is the artist that responded doing their audio. So it's pretty awesome. That is fucking cool. Right? With 60 plus, quite a bit to coordinate. We're going to talk about those type of things in the interview. But, the, you know, a couple reviews that were out there. I found myself thinking just one more as I turned the page and lost hours as a result. That came from Louder Than War. The reason why I read that is because I talked about that in the interview and that was something similar I said. And I hadn't even read that interview. It's just one of those things where it's a book that you can read the letter to and the letter back, the response, and that's it, you know, uh, a toilet book, as I'm told, <laughs> uh, and you read just a little bit at a time if you wanted, but they're so funny that you find yourself reading more and reading more, and now, if you don't have time to read or uh, just like the audio versions, you can get this and listen to it on the go. They are hilarious. We're going to listen to one, as we usually do with interviews, a track before, a track after. Well, we're going to do one that you can hear now and one that you'll hear after. So we are going to listen to the Dear Subhumans letter, and then that'll be immediately followed by the interview, and then we will be checking out, uh, or listening to, rather, the Dear the Vibrators letter after that interview. By the time you're at end of the interview, you probably aren't even going to remember that I told you it was the Dear the Vibrators. But Dear Subhumans first, here we go. Dear Subhumans, re Subvert City. I am confused, Subhumans. In your well-loved classic Subvert City, you state that it all went quiet in the city and the wind blew down the road, after which someone cried out, Subvert! And the people all went cold. Pardon me for suggesting that the lowering of temperature may not have been directly resultant of the aforesaid overthrow yell. By your own admission, there was a stiff breeze in the air prior to the provocative utterance. One has to wonder, therefore, whether or not it was already a bit parky. Mm. If, however, the corrupt caterwaul was the catalyst for frostiness, it could fairly be concluded that you may have unwittingly discovered an eco-friendly and cost-effective alternative to both traditional cooling and sexual heating systems. Mm. Rather than install and maintain a conventional boiler and or air conditioning unit, a mere anarchic holler when it is too stuffy or a subservient mutter when too chilly, could act as an ideal thermostat in the home. Ergo, to shout, smash the system, in July, and perhaps I will comply with the capitalist agendas of this insidious government in December, would prospectively cool and warm up 
one's premises in the summer and winter months, thus bypassing costly energy bills. Yours, Dave Philpott, written during the COVID-19 lockdown. Dear Mr Philpot, your temperative insight, read the degree of coldness at the start of the song, is a fair analysis from the climatic viewpoint inherent in these generally damp, if sceptered aisles. A similar query from the Saharan punks, whose experience of scorching winds nullified any doubt as to the sequence of events, and who had concluded, as you have, that shouting can alter the ambience, was far more interested in knowing whether we had yet harnessed this power of angry slash accepting words in any sort of transportable pill form, reasoning that a silently taken pill would lead to far less socially unaccepted yelling, which in the constant desert heat of the day made them sound like they had some sort of permanent anarchic Tourette's and they kept getting arrested and after the heat of a gig where the yelling was welcome and even expected the temperature drop as they emerged led to much anarcho-punk embarrassment as they were forced to sing the system's praises to warm back up not that it actually worked but in a society where people ride camels persistence is second nature It was, of course, a psychological chill of nervous anticipation or dread that made the people in line four go cold. Originally, it was colder, but that made it read like it really was all about the weather and would have forced the road in line two to become roader, and that's Marky Smith territory, and you don't mess with that. Cheers. Dick, subhumans. So, fire away then, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm at your mercy and disposal. Well, Dave Philpott, tell me about... We'll we'll get into this specific book, uh, Grammar Free in the UK, in just a moment. But tell me about the other books. You've done other books, right? So what what are the concepts of the books that you've put together? It started in 2008. It was just very, very simply me writing down stuff that people in my family said but didn't know anything about music. So literally, Duran Duran would come on the radio and my dad would say, well, Hungry Like the Wolf, what about Peckish Like the Panda? What about, you know, not wolves, it's not just wolves that get hungry and he'd get quite angry. And I used, I write this stuff down. He used to say stuff like, Guns and Roses, I'm on a night train. Well, how did you get the mixing desk on a train? You, you know, how did you, just sing in the studio. It was stuff like that. And I wrote this stuff down. And we made them into, into letters that we put on the internet. And we thought that was funny enough. And then one day, somebody said to us, ex-pop star has, has seen this. He'd like to give a reply. And then my mind just exploded. I thought, my God, if we can get replies to this as well. this And then it just it organically grew. We got uh, all about Eve. We got Nick Kershaw. We got a lot of pop and rock stars involved. And then in the end, we had so much material. We were able to publish, but we published through a crowdfunder, Dustin, because no... Like no publisher would touch it. They said there was no market. And we said, well, stuff it. Let's be punk and let's just do it ourselves. And we raised about eighteen eighteen thousand pounds and we put the book out and then uh, we did it again. And then with the punk one, we did it just for the fact that I, w- I was in lockdown like everybody else. I- I- I'm a working musician. I had no work. And I thought, hey, let's just write us some punks. And then we- we've got this entrepreneur uber fan that said hey man just put this out i'll pay for it so that's where we are now it's an amazing concept i think with the punk community in general i in my opinion and i don't know if you you know you mentioned you've reached out to some pop people and so forth over the concepts of doing this but i think it just seems like the the punk community in general 
it just seems to be more receptive to, you know, you hear the stories about the big bands, the big punk bands, as it were, and people go right up and the stories are almost always, they're the nicest people. They're, they're the, the ones after the show, they're hanging out at the bar and you get to go talk to them. And I would assume that in the same sense for writing these letters and getting responses, you would pr- probably just hands down, you put them out and everyone came back. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a very good point, Dustin, because when it came to me deciding to write these letters during, ro- during lockdown, I thought, well, who shall I write to? And then naturally, just the first thing that popped into my head was punks, because in the first book, we had like um, Stiff Little Fingers in there and Catching Sensible and, and they had Burt's. And I just thought, my God, they're going to be more receptive. And just my gut was right. And we were absolutely right. That's exactly what happened. I could have gone for prog or metal or rock, but I just thought mentally, the punks are our friends anyway. Let's just go for it, you know? You know, reading through the letters of the punk bands, it was just hilarious. You know, sometimes you write things, uh, we're, we're listening to music, sometimes singing along, not really paying that much attention to the grammar or, you know, the scheme to put the song together. And then when someone like yourself is actually pointing it out, you're like, oh, yeah. That was a little weird. That is weird when you really just read through the lines and yeah. hear the words. And then the the even more hilarious part were uh, when the responses just got into it in the same sense, like you said, with, with the pen name, you can kind of go that next level, make yeah. it hilarious, yeah. whatever. And when they're matching that energy or matching that in the responses, it just outstanding. Yeah, well, sometimes, I mean, if you look at the Subhumans letter, for example, where he said, you know, where he says, you know, it all went quiet in this city and uh, and the wind blew down the road. Someone crowded out the suburb and the streets all went cold. I said to Dick Lucas, well, yeah, surely if it's if if it's windy, it's going to be quite cold anyway, whether you say suburb or not. And he just, that's a fair point. But sometimes if I can't find a hole in the lyric, uh, Dustin, what I'll do, I'll go into character and just completely get the wrong end of the stick and make up my, a confusion about a line just so that they come back and they hit back, you know, because that does so, it does happen sometimes where the lyric is so beautifully written, there's nothing like when I do my audit, you know <laughs> when I do my internal audit that, that there's nothing wrong at all and I just think okay, I'll just make up something as if as if I just don't understand it and then just let them just come back and fight you know I have the personality type as well where you with coworkers or whatever and some subject will come up or something in the media in the news whatever and something comes up and you can take that I don't believe in the whatever side but I'm going to go and I'm going to argue it against or debate it against somebody else, right? So the same kind of mindset where it's like, I don't believe what I'm saying, but I can totally get into it and make you think I am. It's exactly. <laughs> hang on. That's exactly what we're doing. 100%. Yeah. It's so great. The responses. I mean, uh, first one I read was, was from Daryl uh, of Cox Bar. And, you know, not that any were specifically better or worse, but it's one of those where you read it a band that I'm super familiar with, and it got me hooked right on, like, oh, this is hilarious. What's the next one? What's the next one? And you just keep reading through, and uh, I don't know all the bands in in the UK. I didn't even know all the bands, so I wasn't even familiar with uh, a handful that you did letters with, but they were hilarious, and it also makes me want to go check out, like, oh, well, who's that? 
Who's this? Yeah, that, that, that was actually on purpose. That was really deliberate because being part of the punk community, I get to talk to people that are just are, are just degree level on punk. I mean, the, their knowledge is just like off, off the sphere. So I've got a friend called Amanda Austin, and she, she, she'll give me a name, and she, she'll say, you've got to write to this band. They're really important. And then you look into their history, and then you realise they're one of the bands that influenced loads of other bands but didn't quite break through themselves, you know? Right. There's a lot of bands like that, like, like for example, Crisis or Chaos UK, where you, you wouldn't necessarily know, but then you think, well, hold on a minute. If it wasn't for them, there'd be no this band or this band. So I deliberately tried to make it so it wasn't just the greatest hits. I wanted it to be loads of bands that you'd know, plus bands, new bands coming on the scene that are very important, plus bands that were really influential that maybe didn't quite get through, but you can now investigate that band and now just see how important they are. So that that was a really conscious decision to do it that way. You know, I, what you've done is what I wanted the reader to do. That book, perfect. You, you sit down. Read the letter two, read the response, a couple minutes. I mean, even if you're reading one at a time, it's just so perfect, and you don't need to be able to read it all in one sitting, even though it's hard not to continue to, like, okay, maybe I'll just squeeze in one more, just to, you know, what's the next one? <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got a friend called Ian Keith who writes for Louder Than The Wall magazine, and he said that at a review. He just says, he said, I lost hours. He said, I just kept saying, what, just one more, just one more, just one more. But that, that's very important. But also important, Dustin, is that, I mean, I'm not necessarily a punk myself. I love punk music, but I, I'm into metal. I'm into prog. But I think it's very important that the, eth that the ethos of the whole book is punk. I think it's important that we had this funded by an entrepreneur who's a punk, that which just happened to have, you know, an interest. I didn't want. I didn't want to go with a major publisher because with a punk project, you're always on that tightrope of when does it become not punk anymore right. you know the fact that i'm doing this for literally from my sitting room now and i write their letters from my sitting room and i do all the promo everything from my sitting room no help you know i think that that harkens back tom robinson said in a, in a sense you're a punk because you're just doing in the 21st century what we did in 1976 right. you know doing it by yourself and say if a major came to me now hand on heart mate i wouldn't do it it has to stay as it is, you know. Otherwise, there's that there, there's that point at which it tips over, and you go, "That has lost everything that I loved that I loved about it in the first place." You understand, right? Probably more rewarding to be able to do it that way, not have somebody tell you, "Well, this is good, but maybe not this or whatever." You do it the way you want. And I think that's a great thing about punk music in general. I mean, but here, to be able to do it that way, complete control on your part, but at the same time, to push it out, and, and the written copy is completely sold out, meaning, you know, if you do that again, and as word spreads, this is the, the perfect coffee table book, right? The one that you can just yeah. sit there, and I'm going to read, or when... Uh, you have guests, they're going to pick it up and, well, what's this? And they can just read briefly. You know, if, if it's a novel of some sort, nobody's going to pick it up and read two or three pages. Oh, I really like this book. I'm going to go get it now. But you can read one letter and already know, oh, yeah, I'm interested in this. This could be uh, something in businesses. For example, you know, at my chiropractor's office, just you know, off the wall, has magazines. And for the most part, I go in and it's magazines I have zero interest in. So first instinct, look over, what, what can I do? No, I don't want any of that. But for something like this being there, for as, that short window of time that I'm there, 
and then you open it up, it's something that you can get into and know that, oh, well, I definitely want to read more. I want, I want more. Well, what is this? And then for the people that maybe aren't specific to just the punk part of it, like the punk bands and what are these specific punk bands have to say, it's, all right, well, what is this concept? Are there others? And just, you know, enamored with the concept and then can go check out yeah. the other items that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But what, what's important about the audiobook is, I mean, with Brexit, I had terrible trouble get, getting the hard copies, you know, shipped over to fans in, in Germany and fans in America because they were hit with the taxes. So that, that's another reason why I've done this audiobook now in, in the way that everybody worldwide, worldwide can get it. I've kept it as cheap as possible. You've got 64 replies in there, all from the artists, and we don't have to worry about PMP and items getting lost and some poor fan like Rick. We've got a friend called called Rebecca Moore in Germany. It cost her like 60 euros to get the book in the end once you paid taxes and once you paid levies, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought there must be an easier way. So we had a couple of verbal responses come back through this radio show that was serializing it. And I thought, hold on a minute, if we can get two artists to do it, why not get 60? And that's why I've gone through this audio book rate route now where your listeners can get it for next for the same amount of money that it costs to get it up the, up the road from here. I right. thought that was really important. Well, it's nice yeah. to have the, the options. So having that audio is also really nice. Like my wife, she reads books, and I'm doing air quotes. She reads her goal is to read a book a month, but all of them are audio books, just because that's yeah. that's how that's the time that she has. So when she's reading, as it were, or listening, it's not times where she could be, you know, sitting down, open up the book, and looking at it. So there's a lot of people that really enjoy that. Uh, type of media for you know reading book and this offers that so you're, you're able to driving to work in the morning you can listen to you know a, a couple of the letters or uh, you yeah. know what, whatever way works best for people so it's really awesome to have both as an option yeah i mean as far as the physical copies that go they're like gold dust at the moment but i, I think we may just do a, a, just a small run because we've got to be at this London's burning festival in a couple of weeks because slaughter and the dogs are there subhumans are there chelsea lot of artists in the book so i think we've got to do a small run and then we'll see what goes from that i don't ever want to get to a point where i've got a thousand in the shed but if we just do like little runs now and again i always want to have it dripping through so it's available you know right we've had two runs go and what we the book was on sale and return so we're going to some we're going to outlets now that didn't sell all their copies and say that any spare please please give them back we really need them okay so i think we'll always have stock there of some description and then the thing again the thing with running your own operation desk dustin is you don't know how much stock to hold do you right you don't know how many records to print it's just if you were the major it wouldn't matter because they can just pulp the rest you know but when it's it's really difficult when you're running your own business to say do i do 50 or do i do 500 it's always a tightrope isn't it but that's punk again this is the problem that's been that's hit every punk band since 1975 isn't it yeah it's great and rewarding when you do it yourself and you feel like yeah. whatever level you've achieved you feel successful in it but at the same time if you overdo it like oh i'm gonna be so successful and then you end up like you said you're you're shed is full of it yeah yeah and, and another thing we like being punk about it is that i've sold like four this morning okay and because of band camp it tells you who it, it normally gives you their email address or you know and i just send them i just say thanks to the i'll say thanks enjoy from the author and they go 
can't believe you're talking to me. And I said, well, why not? You bought, why not? I'm just saying hello. I'm just saying we're here and thank you, you know. Right. You wouldn't get that with a major, would you? No. <laughs> bon Jovi's not going to do that, is he? You're not going to get an email from Bon Jovi, are you? No, it's just going to be some automated, if you get anything, it'll be an automated reply. Thank you for your purchase. Yeah, no, we don't. We'd like to keep in touch with everyone. We've got mailing lists and we'll start, you know. Yeah, it's important. And I mean, the other thing is, I mean, this is, a, this is our, our, our third book. And um, when I sent it to Dick Lucas, I said, look, th- this is our third book. The first the first two had Tears for Fears and Eurythmics. And, and he went, God, you know, I'm surprised I've never heard of you guys. You're so un- under the radar. But then they realized, look, if these guys have put two books out, the, the chances are these guys are OK, you know. And then you build on that. And but, but if I do another book, you know, you've got that reputation as being right. nice and friendly and you don't let people down. Everyone gets their stock on time. And you can build on it, can't you? Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, at one point, Jake Burns from Stiff Little Fingers said to me, look, there's a chance I could get Bono for you, you know, to, to do a silly letter. My, my, my mind exploded a bit, but I, but I thought, hold on a minute. Bono grew up listening to Stiff Little Fingers, you know? Right. And then then you leapfrog. And so a lot of the bands that uh, we, we've got to remember that this generation, we're listening to like first generation punk, you know, and it's it's... Like Elvis Costello and the attractions and bands like that, bands that were so important, you know. Right. And uh, yeah. in the way that the punks are our heroes, they had their heroes, you know. Yep. It's a generational thing, isn't it? It is. And side note, a lot of those bands, their early stuff. I mean, even U2 was borderline punk sounds for that era, that late 70s, more specifically like early 80s, because New Wave was kind of branching away. But New Wave evolved out of punk and still had a lot of that, that punk sounds. Just some bands gravitated a little more towards what evolved into that New Wave sound even. so. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Simple Minds as well. Yep. U2 definitely, it's got that punk edge to it, you know. Yep. Absolutely, you listen. You listen to a first album, and then and then they sort of you know emerge into something else. But you can normally see it in the first album that, that yep. there's a punk sensibility to it because they've been listening to new wave and punk. If you think about it, Dustin, there was hardly anything else to listen to, was there? Right. And apart, if you had rock and heavy rock, apart from that, it was punk and new wave. If you were listening from 1975 onwards, you know, right? You had the waitresses, you had Blondie. All with that punk edge to it. It was all there. Absolutely. CB, CBGB's bands, you know, R- Ramones, Talking Heads. It all had that punk edge to it, even if it then became pop, you know. You can still love it, right? It doesn't have to be just the punk, and it's still, you know, worst case description, punk adjacent. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Right? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Totally right, yeah. Nothing not to love. So I think the audio book, right, is great. So, for example... When before the audiobook was out, I was actually reading passages, you know, letters on the show. I read a couple myself. So, you know, to hear me do your words and then to hear me do the the artist letter in return, it's kind of that monotone. You're listening to me, but the the, con- the great concept of your audiobook is you have you doing the letter and then you have the artist. So it's that dynamic on every single thing. It's not that same voice reading and you know, if you're not yeah. paying enough attention, you you wouldn't even know that you went from one letter to the response letter to the next letter and so forth. So that that dynamic is, I, I think, for an audio book is just so much better for that. I mean, not every concept can be out there. You can't. It's hard to switch authors on a novel, but for this reason, on this book, could have initially just read all the letters yourself. Boom, here's an audio book. But you're able to get yeah. all the artists to actually do it, which makes it pretty awesome. Yeah, I actually sent your I sent your clip to Daryl from, from Cox Sparrow. 
he found it, he found it very very amusing very amusing but yeah I, I, just just following on from that very quickly if i'd have sat down in the studio and done this you know and done it with a major publisher or something it wouldn't have worked you know the beauty of this is you probably as you've probably worked out we had some responses coming in from studio quality from, from the artist studios. Some of them, like Vic Goddard from Subway Sec, phoned me up and I had the phone just on my iPad and we taped it recording. So Max Splodge, we did it straight from the phone. So you got some there where they're from the phone, they're from just recorded through uh, their own sort of iPads as they're walking down the street or we've got people doing Facebook chat. Every single one is different because everyone had different media and different circumstances. I think it's wonderful that you've got anti-pasty on the phone for one reply and then you've got a studio quality reply from Pete R. Jones from Public Image Limited as the next one. You just don't know what's coming next, nor did we, you know. That's the DIY ethic of it. That's why I think it's so funny. Along those same lines of not you know knowing the difference from, book or from letter to letter to letter too, it just adds another layer to the dynamic of it as opposed to i guess it could have been the monotone of it totally right but you but it also gives you more of a sense that this is a project that that is come from all 60 different angles to come into one place rather than just me sitting across from 60 people walking into the studios and recording their bits you know that that's 62 or 64 separate pieces of kit that had to be put together you right. know and it, it's lovely i'm so proud of it I'm proud. I'm proud of the artists. I'm I'm proud of the community that I've just brought right into it. You know, like yourselves. So along those lines, when you know you'd already had two books, the pandemic came out. You're writing up these letters. You're sending them off. Were there any surprises, or were there any that you just thought, ah, they may or may not respond? And then along those lines, were there any responses that you got that you just kind of blew you away. They, they, they were even more than you were expecting. Because like I say, when I'm reading them, some of them, I mean, your letter's great. And then you think back to the music and think how spot on, like, oh, yeah, you know, just didn't think about it that way, but totally spot on. And then the responses that come back and how funny or how in character maybe some of these guys are getting to go along with what you wrote them. Yeah, I think, I mean... It's nice when anybody replies, you know, I mean, and they, they all come back pretty quickly. Some, to be fair, I think you get a sense with projects like this where it's like a film, isn't it? Where, you know, they say, who else you got? So with some artists, I try them and then I'd not get a response for three months because then they've maybe seen how many other people are getting involved, you know, but. The one that really shook me where I actually spat my tea out was, was the one that we wrote to Slaughter and the Dogs, where Wayne Barrett came back. I mean, I just, I just did this ridiculous concept of, like, um, of just playing football in the 70s. And, like, we used to get the kids that would just scrub, scrub your football boots. And, you know, and we said, where have all the boot boys gone? You know, it's a stupid letter. And Slaughter and the Dogs just came back in total character with his French accent and with an accordion play in the background. And I've always said, Dustin, our letters are the bread, the replies are the jam, you know. So when I got that back and he absolutely slaughtered us with his comedy, you think, job done. That's exactly what this is supposed to do. So that one, Bauhaus from the second book, was a, a work of art. Splodgeness abounds is fantastic. But there's been a few Peter the Test Tube Babies, 
Cox Sparrow was just a work of art. And that's where I thought, okay, we've got a book. You know, it wasn't until I got Cox Sparrow, I thought, okay, that's if I do a book, that is the opening letter. And then once you've got that and it propels you forward, anything else after that is just gravy, isn't it? Absolutely. But what's nice about that also is that if you're finding a band for the first time, and I'm guessing you're talking about people like Ambition Demolition, The Screaming Dead, maybe The Pukes. Yep. What, what can be nicer than going to investigate that band already knowing that they're good sports? Right. You've already got that preconception. You already know they're nice people. You already know that, they, that they've got the capacity to make fun of themselves. So you're going to go in there with, with a head start of, of, of wanting to like them, aren't you? Absolutely. The, the side bonus there is uh, I always love discovering a band that's been around and you yeah. see, oh, well, they've got this whole discography. You know, when a brand new band comes out, you know, as a brand new band in 2022, they have an album. You listen to it. Awesome. And if you really like it, you know, if you're lucky in a year or two years, right, new music's coming out. But when you discover a band like that, they have this entire discography for you to go to. It's almost like discovering 10 new bands because they have yeah, so much to go through. And, and also, the thing about that is that you also see that ba- you've you've got the luxury of seeing that band's progression. You can see that band's progression from album one to album ten. You can do it in a day, whereas right. one of their fans it would have taken them fifteen twenty years. Right, you know? absolutely. You can always always think with a good punk band, no matter what they progress to do, you can always see in their tenth album that germ of the thing that they had in the first album. Right. That's a true punk band, you know. That mind you, that that goes probably for any good music, you know, where it's always the same, always different. You know, that, that's the cliche, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's what they say about the fall, isn't it? Always the same, always different, always the fall. You know. Exactly. I've, I've got I've got that with Ramstein because I, I was I was one of the first people that picked up on Ramstein in the UK because they were on the Lost Highway soundtrack, which was the the the, uh, the David Lynch film. Yep. And well, I got to sit. I got to see them at their first ever UK gig. We went to the Astoria, which you probably know that venue. It's a legendary venue. Yep. They didn't play because the, because the council shut them down because of the fire restrictions. So they didn't play until Brixton. So I saw their first first ever UK concert. I was an extreme fan then. But I love that I can watch footage of them now when they're absolutely colossal and say, that's the same band I saw in 1996. And there was only 300 people there. Right. You know, it's really cool so so it's not just punky it's great when you see a band retaining whatever they had at the beginning absolutely that's the trouble that's the trouble especially in metal mate with british metal you find some bands in the 80s the new wave of british heavy metal bands they come on they were raw they were hungry they were writing great songs and then they've had a record company meeting and someone says you have to break america and the third album is like a pop album and you go you've lost everything everything that we loved you for, for the sake of maybe, probably not, breaking America, you know? Right. You tend not to find that in punk. Punk bands don't tend to sell out, is what I'm trying to say to you. You've always got that germ in the 10th album that, of, the, of the thing that was in the first album. I, I totally agree. This book's fantastic. You've done three. We, we kind of have an idea of what you're going to do, you, you know, with uh, the festival that's coming up. Hopefully you're able to get the books. The audio book is obviously going to be available. No quantity cap on there. That's the great thing about audio. That's, that's <laughs> the beauty of it. That's what's so beautiful about it. And also the crucial bit is it's a thank you to the punk community for every copy and download sold. We, we're going to give money to homeless charities, okay? And I'm really going to push that with the audio book because we've got no outlay and because I've got no post. I've got no 
postage to worry about. I've got no physical product to worry about. I've got no, I've got no worries about books coming back creased. That's increased the amount of money that I can put to the charities. Now, people say, you know, what? why are you bothering to do that? It's a thank you to the punk community, you know. So we're saying to the punk, because the thing when I ask artists to get involved, they're all doing this for nothing, you know. And, you know, it gets quite grating to say, do you want to be in my book, you know, even though they love it. But it's really nice to say, look, there's no outlay on this. This is going to cost £8.99, but I'm not spending any money to get it out there other than the 15% that Bandcamp is going to be charging me. It's no hassle for me to give more away from the audio book than it is from the physical book because I don't have to do anything. I just have to watch the clicks, you know? Right. That makes sense. And it's a great way for people to get it, to listen to it. It's a nice way to get through the book too because there are so many letters Audio, just yeah. turn it on while you're driving to work. Turn it on while you're at work, exactly. and you can get through it, and then the word gets out on the audio book. I can see people. Like, I, I want to get a copy. You know, if I had businesses where there's any sort of a, a lobby, that I would. this is the, the what I would want. Who cares about all these magazines and nonsense that yeah. people just get subscriptions to? Nonsense, my opinion. But something like this, this yeah. is what I would want to do. You're being polite because in the, in England they're called toilet books, so you can say it out loud, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you, you might you, you might say coffee table. We call them toilet books. You, you know, it's just you know you might just read a read a couple when you're doing your business, but it's just pick it up, read as many as you like, and put it down again. Then then listen to the record. It makes it even funnier, and then read it again. And then you're really <laughs> what I like about the fact that we do this stuff is that you will never listen to those records in the same way you'll always get that impish little funny mischievous thing on your shoulder saying he thought it was this you know right what what are your plans on anything like this or just in general what, what are your plans next we're probably going to do one because we don't know how style welcome I mean, a lot of a lot of the reviewers are saying i just want to see this come forever you know because <laughs> right. I, I get this I, I get the same reviewers to review the books every time it, i say like it's me again we're going again so we're doing one more all genre book and that's that's got some really big people in it i've got super trump in there and Frankie goes to Hollywood and Spandau Ballet. Uh, Wheatus are in there. They were great to me. They were really nice to me. So I'm I'm in the middle of writing that. But when whenever you do a project like this, Dustin, where you're asking people to give their time out for nothing when they're when they're on tour or recording, I don't like to give them deadlines. It's not fair. I say I, I just say it will take as long as it takes, and then it will be done. Um, so if it takes a year, two years, it takes two years. What was great about the punk book is. I'm a musician. I went from having a full diary to nothing. I knew the punks had had the same problem. And that's why we were able to use that window and say that everybody's really miserable. Let's just do something stupid and funny and whip it out there, you know? So I don't think if history repeated itself and I tried to write, to write that punk book now, I would never have done it that quickly. I just knew everybody was inside. Nobody was touring. Everybody was miserable. Let's just get this done and get it out there, you know. But with the, with the new book, it will just take as long as it takes. That's what I love about the punk book. We took advantage of lockdown, and a lot of the reviews said, look, yes, a lot of us were moping about, but look what these guys did, and look what the punks did, and now we've got this, and isn't it funny? You know, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It's a silver lining. All the reviews said that, you know, and it just gave the artists a way of just creating their flex, flexing their creative muscles and doing something while they were sitting at home waiting to get on the road again. So I'm really pleased with that something good that came out of it. You know, all the reviews said that as well. 
I don't know what else to say other than it's amazing, it's impressive, it's a great body of work that people can go back to, and you read it, you know it's hilarious, and you can go back and read it again, and then as you pointed yeah. out, you're going to go back and hear the music uh, <laughs> totally different, so it's something, a- another layer that you can just go back to because of the book. Yeah, totally right. That's it, that's it. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. What I'm going to do for you guys, just as a thank you, and also because I said to you before, there's hardly any outlay on this. If when your listeners want to go and uh, buy the book, uh, which is at grammarfreeintheuk.bandcamp.com, if you under the code, you put L- SLC, which is you guys, they're all going to get 10% off just for buying it through you, okay? Excellent. That's fantastic. And then, again, like you pointed out with this, you're donating the money as well. Absolutely right. So, like I said to you, if we give, if we give your listeners 10% off, it's no skin off my nose. It's not going to make a great difference to what we give away to the, to the causes. So, happy to do that, mate, just as a thank you. You know, there's different ways to think about it. Think about it this way. You make a small donation to help people out and look what you get in return. Absolutely right. Absolutely. All, I'm a big believer in karma, Dustin. It comes back. Yep. It comes back. One way or another, it will come back to you. I agree. Well, Dave, thank you again for taking the time. Your book is hilarious. Because a lot of our sort of fans uh, got into through the 80s stuff that we do. And uh, they bought the punk book anyway because they just said, I don't even care about the records. I just want to see what happens because they they know the drill, you know. So they didn't even care. They just wanted to see because they they call it the duel. They just wanted to see what what, what would take place in the duel. So they they didn't even care about the bands. They just wanted to see what we'd say, how we were going to prick the artist and then what they'd come back with. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, It doesn't. You don't have to be familiar. And like I pointed out with some of the bands that I wasn't familiar with, after I read it and I enjoy it, then I do go back. So you can yeah. either be the yeah. one that's already familiar with the music, maybe even had some of those same thoughts, and then you get to see responses, or you read them, still enjoy, and then you're going to go yeah. back and check it out just so you may have a better understanding. Oh, well, what are you talking about here? This is hilarious. That's exact job done. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you guys definitely accomplished a great body of work here. I definitely look forward to whatever bands that you happen to have on the next project as well. We will be in touch. That's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Okay, Justin. Thank you very much. Take care, mate. Thanks for everything. You too. Thank you. See have you later. a great evening. Dear the Vibrators. As an ardent champion of good old-fashioned transmission, I was writing initially to question your endorsement of non-manual vehicles. I pondered that it may be part of some subliminal publicity campaign. Having scrutinised the song's lyrics, I now realise that Automatic Lover is actually appealing to an unhinged lady with a penchant for continuously firing weaponry. Initially relieved to learn that she carries an automatic pistol but she ain't got no magazine, it then struck me that this indeed could be a bad time. You were perhaps not referring to an absent ammunition cartridge, but instead a lack of specialist periodicals, such as perhaps what gun, shooting times or recoil off-grid monthly to distract her from a cycle of violence that could rip up the city. If indeed the wretched woman is losing it, I hope that we can all look into the future to the day they caught the killer. Yours, D. Philpot. Dear Mr. Philpot, actually, that is pure mania. The guy that wrote that, he's a psycho. 
If it was a girl, then she has no heart, but she's bringing me down, and I'm sure she's bringing you down too. I suggest you fall in love and wake up to the reality. On a slightly serious note, the thing that inspired Knox to write that song was a girl who came to our gigs in Hamburg and had an unloaded pistol in her pocket. She really had an automatic pistol that had no magazine. There are some strange people out there, and back in the day, they all seemed to come to our gigs. Still do, I suppose. Still, I hope you're not having a bad time in this lockdown. At least I can keep it clean around the house, and no longer do I need a slave. I'm going to do a runner and say goodbye to all the bad puns and bad time too. This lockdown is just a crazy dream, I hope. Cheers, Eddie. <laughs> lockdown's just a crazy dream, I hope. Right? Uh, didn't we all? <laughs> exactly. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Dave again. That was awesome. Uh, the book's great. I can't say enough about that book. Uh, one of these days, I definitely want to get my hands on uh, a toilet uh, book version of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I the same. I the same. Right? It's pretty sweet. Go check it out. Uh, go over to the Grammar Free in the UK Bandcamp.com. Remember, if you put in SLC, then you will get 10% off, and all the proceeds are actually going to a homeless charity. So you're getting a fantastic book with over 60 red letters there uh, along with uh, you know a few other audio clips as well for under 10 bucks and the money's actually going to go to charity and you'll actually save 10% which is about a dollar so uh, you'll save a little bit on top of all of that so do it go check it out Eric we got to wrap up the show what do you got well like I said I was kind of hinting that I have some melodic death metal waiting in the wings when I was describing the uh, uh, Candace's scream from that Walls of Jericho song. Well, there is another vocalist of her caliber just on a different, just on a different plane. Not too far, I might add, on the melodic death metal side, because we know that melodic death metal had a heavy, heavy influence in metalcore's later years particularly from the likes of Afterburner, and which which uh, evolved into Killswitch Engage. Yeah, we all hear it. We all know we all know where you're getting all your shit from, Adam. <laughs> uh, regardless, the band that I chose, I talked about them a little bit, a little bit a couple episodes ago because I had just seen them for the first time. And this was one of the first death metal bands I was ever introduced to, and definitely the first death metal band that I saw where I was like, holy shit, that's a chick singing for a death metal band? (laughs) And yeah, that band is Arch Enemy. And yeah, Arch Enemy, I've said it before, they are fucking amazing. The albums that they have uh, put out with Angela Gosso, I think are just top tier uh, for Mellow Death, for death metal and for their catalog, respectively. Cool. Yeah, and I played a I played an Arch Enemy song on this podcast uh, t- about two years ago. It was the song "Silent Wars" from Anthems of Rebellion, and I've listened to that album. Uh, I, I lost count of how many times I listened to that album within the last week. <laughs> I just kept playing it over and over again. It's just so solid. That may be my favorite album by Arch Enemy, but my favorite song exists elsewhere, and I am going to play it right now. 
This is the song from the album Enter the Machine. Or not Enter the Machine. That is the introduction. That is the intro track. The album is called Doomsday Machine. Okay. Yeah, Doomsday Machine. There are some great songs on here, like the one that I just uh, said, but also My Apocalypse. But my favorite one is Nemesis. This one is just hitting all points that I need. It's just a brutal song. When they played it live, I lost my shit. I got really ignorant, and I am, and I have no regrets. So, if for those of you that don't know, this is the song I lost my shit to. This is my favorite Arch Enemy song. We are Nemesis. For a night, we are nemesis. 
So yeah, it kind of hits everywhere. I mean, it's got lyrics of rebellion and standing up against tyranny. It's got those it's got those sweepy guitar leads that just go crazy, but not too crazy. They still keep the melody going. And they have that thrashy breakdown towards the end, right before the last chorus. And an anthemic chorus, I might add. Right? Yep. It's just, uh, it's just a perfect fucking song. So you can understand, I hope, why and how I got so maniacal when they played that <laughs> song. Uh, you should have seen me. Uh, but one thing I got to point out about that show, they did not play a single song from the Anthems of Rebellion. That whole album did not get any love at that show. Wow. I'm like, no Silent Wars, no We Will Rise, no Dead I See No Future. I'm like, these are some hard-hitting songs. They were staples in their set not too long ago. What are you doing? (laughs) You fuckers. (laughs) Are you scared, Alyssa? (laughs) Are you scared, Michael? I would be. (laughs) <laughs> that is it whatever that album still kicks ass and uh that song still kicks ass and arch enemy still kicks ass not as much but they still do uh, so yeah there you go that's arch enemy that's my favorite song that's nemesis if you have some uh if you have any complaints then you know where to find me well we got to get wrapping the show up so i'm going to quickly get into my new metal track for this episode the band is skindred They're based in the UK, originally from Newport, South Wales. They founded in 1998, which was the year I graduated high school. This is probably one of the newer albums from the long line of new metal tracks I have played and will be playing, since so many of them were around like more 2001. 2004, not too far though. This is August 2004. Babylon is the album. Nobody is the track. I love this track. Are you familiar with Skindred? Um... No, but I do know this. I know the name. Okay. You, you, you might they might be familiar. We'll find out. Let's get into the track. The band Skindred off of Babylon. Here we go with Nobody. My song, we come to take over. MC, you better look over your shoulder. Yeah, you know, we are an Them I come and them I try to agree out Burn down pill we are the rough next girl Music we make for the crowd jump up Crowd get high pass blood and the rapper Blend up the rag on metal punk hip hop Unity sound killer groove non stop And every displace us so this one will survive Strength and power I got keep them alone My song we come to take over MC you better look over your shoulder Yeah you know we are known Oh well no Drag me in all your area Bring the back cause you know it's superior Yeah, you know, yeah, you know Oh, I'm by the get so Nobody, nobody gets out alive I'm get so Them a try flex, really show them the rock a punk Watch them a twist, sting like a scorpion, buzz like a knee Full of fast office, it a go drop black toy This is what we want here, you get to know If 
out and they shop it online. Nobody, nobody gets out alive. But they get out and they shop it online. Nobody, nobody gets out alive. Oh, when they get out and they shop it online. Come for me one and two and six and seven and four and three and four. When they get out and they shop it online. Come and tell them what they tell them what they tell them what they tell them. Nobody gets out and they shop it online. Nobody, nobody gets out alive. Nobody gets out and they shop it online. Nobody, nobody gets out alive. Skindred, that was nobody. Did that sound like a song you'd heard before since the band name sounded familiar? Let me put it this way. I think I would remember if I heard a song that was written by someone who sounded as if Darren Malakian just jumped ship over across the pond and decided to troll his entire audience by creating a System of a Down cover band. (laughs) (laughs) In short, no, I have not heard this fucking song. (laughs) That was... God, that was so weird. That was really weird. <laughs> uh, I picture that song, and I think it would be amazing in like a horror movie. You know, when all the the zombies or something is just clean sweeping, destroying bodies, blood everywhere. Yeah, nobody gets out alive. Yeah, it would have to be a sort of like a cyber zombie sort of thing, just because of how the song sounds. It just sounds so. Futuristic. It's like maybe that should be the next B movie. Robot zombies <laughs> could be, and that would be good in there. I, they they're new metalish. I mean, you hear like the the mixing, you know, the scratching rather, and it does infuse some you know reggae elements because I believe that's the the roots of the singer. I mean, you can tell in his voice uh, the way yeah. he's singing too. So uh, that is Skindred. That was nobody. Go check them out. If you like them, we got to wrap this show up. So you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon Music, Player FM, and SLCPodcast.com. The bands are found on Instagram at Municipal Waste, at No Consent Band, at Cold Meridian, at Terror Hardcore, at Incudine. Is that what it was? Incudine underscore HC, at WOJ Official, that's for Walls of Jericho, at Arch Enemy Official at Skindred Music and the show's at SLC Punkcast. Eric, you're up. Where do we find you? You can find me at 
on Instagram at scaryuncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. My band Anonymous on Instagram at anonymous underscore band official. And on Facebook at anonymous SLC. And you can find our sort of website at anonymousslc.bandcamp.com. Um, need I remind you, we have patches, we have stickers, we have some buttons, a few cassette tapes left. We are We have two hoodies left. And we're running pretty low on shirts as well. But we do have a shitload of mediums. Amazingly enough, everybody wears a medium. <laughs> Why do we still have so many mediums? It's weird to me. Anyway, and you can find my other band. We finally decided on the name. We're sticking with The Apathetics. Okay. And also, side note, we played our first three shows on one day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, just a thing. Like, uh, our drummer, Ben, he teaches uh, drums in this... Uh, in this music school with uh, uh, the guy Dean, who recorded us, and my friend Kyle, who has played in a few bands, most recent of which was uh, Heretic Temple, and he teaches guitar, Ben teaches drums. And what they were doing was like a lo- uh, was like a school showcase, you know, taking all their students, coming up and playing a song, and just kind of showing off what they were doing. It's a recital. Okay. And there were three different uh, segments of it, and Dean actually asked Ben... You know, what if we uh, got you guys to just uh, play out, like, close each segment, you know, the ones divided in three, with the song that we just recorded? Yeah, okay, we'll do it. So, we played that song, Burnout Generation, which is what we recorded, and we played it three times. And let me tell you, this was a weird first outing for us. Because <laughs> here we are, three times, we're playing to a bunch of little kids, their parents, and their grandparents. And... <laughs> They're not exactly the uh, type of old folks you would see at a typical punk rock show. Nice. So this was kind of a uh, this was kind of a trial test for us. Cool. Yeah, but also we were playing direct uh, directly into the PA, so we didn't have any amps, and the and the drums were in a box. They were in just this like little cylindrical casing. Weird. I think it had something to do with the sound, but I don't know. It was so weird. <laughs> and and yeah, just to hear the sound coming from the PA monitors up front was really strange. It's like I'm used to hearing shit coming from behind as well as up front. It was just a strange experience. We couldn't really hear each other too well, but it was a good thing we practiced that song a lot. I mean, we recorded it, so we had to (laughs) play it precisely. Uh, But either way, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Cool. Uh, We will be playing a show in in July. Not announced yet, but it will be in July. Well, I know you'll let us know when you get to announce it. Yes. Anyway, if you want to know... You can find us on Instagram at theapathetics.slc and on Facebook at theapathetics. And you can find my other podcast, Lead Melodies, on Instagram at leadmelodies underscore podcast and Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc. And you can access uh, the three episodes that I have recorded through circlepitradio.com, but you can find it on like a... You can find it on anywhere you can stream podcasts. Like you can find it on, uh, you can find it on Spotify, definitely. Okay. And follow the Heart SLC Hardcore page on Facebook at SLC Hardcore. I'm posting more flyers because more shows are coming up, and holy shit, May is a busy month. It is a busy month, I tell you. <laughs> and yep, those are all the socials. Those are all the happenings going on. And let's get to the Facebook pages. They're at Municipal Waste, at No Consent Band, at Cold Meridian Official, at Terror Hardcore, at Incudine Punk, at Walls of Jericho, at 
Arch Enemy Official at Skindred Official and the shows at SLC Punkcast. Thank you everybody for joining us for 265. Thank you for always checking us out. If you do, and go check us out on all the places and feel free to let us know what you think. Eric is uh, looking for some feedback on one of those songs, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> all right, Eric, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? Well, I do have some final thoughts. I was going to say this at the uh, um, on as a closer on the last episode, referring to the show that we played with uh, Goat Whore. But with other things that happened that week, I felt like it was more uh, fitting to end the show with uh, what I said. For reference, you can just go back and listen to that episode. But right. for this episode, what I mentioned in the last episode, we had a very severe critique of our set on that night by some fucking Yahoo who was looking like a stagehand. He wasn't. He wasn't a stage yet. He was just hanging out backstage. He had he had a couple of free passes to two separate shows. This one and the one going on down the street at the complex, which happened to be a rave. So that would explain his brightly colored wardrobe he was wearing that <laughs> night. So if you don't remember, this guy pulled Sydney, our drummer, aside and said that we would be a good band if we actually wrote good music and that he didn't like the song that was like all with those bass lines. It was really boring. And he asked, why does Tyler play chords on a bass? Why doesn't he play the single string? And, you know, just like, well, hold on. Are you a producer? Are you a musician? Uh, no. That, your opinion doesn't mean shit. Right? And you're not, oh my God. You're not criticizing. You're not giving us a critique. You're just talking shit. And that's really what I wanted to get at. It's like there is a difference between being a given a fair critique and just talking shit. True. And I would know. I lived this life on opposite sides. I've been critiqued and I have critiqued. Music, specifically. I've written my reviews on CDs and other albums. I have reviewed shows. I have interviewed bands. I have lived that lifestyle. I am given back to that lifestyle. And when I point out flaws in a song or an album, I point them out in a kind of professional manner. And I offer up an idea as to what could make it better. You know, that is just what a critique is. It's more a suggestion. It's something that's not fitted to my taste. I am but one person. Right. It's not fitted to my taste. It was not fitted to that person's taste. But he did, he was posing himself as a critic, <laughs> thinking that what he was saying was a valor, when really it wasn't. He wasn't exactly offering up anything. He was just pointing out what was wrong and what was wrong according to him. So yeah, in short, that's what shit talking is. I mean, crit critiquing is like, I didn't like this one. Like, what was the point in that one? Yeah, well... And it opens it up for debate. Right. You can talk about this shit like regular fucking people. Shit talking is just, I don't like you. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> just stop doing what you're doing and fuck off. And I'm not guilty of shit talking. I shit talk a lot of people and bands or songs or whatever. But the thing is, if you're, this is not, you are not in your element, sir. If that is what you were, if, if you're coming from, <clears throat> If you're coming into a metal show and you would rather be at a rave, you are out of your element. You do not know what this is. Uh, you do not know what this lifestyle is about. And this is what was coming back to that terror song. Just those lyrics. I will reiterate. You don't know me. Don't know any of us. Don't know what this means. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you say. You never had it. You never will. Keep your mouth shut and worry about yourself. Play the fucking outro.